Welcome to Archery Country Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Archery Country Podcast. This is Wade as we are in the Rogers location. If you were looking in the studio, I have Dan directly to my left, and I have Keith on my right. The only man we're missing is little Rodriguez, and he's in Wisconsin, believe it or not, playing hockey. What the puck, you know? <laughs> but well, we'll get through this. He is Canadian. So for those of you that listen to a bunch of our podcasts, we're extremely excited. This is a different little format of our podcast. A lot of them are very technical, a very insight, uh, in-depth look at a particular product or a brand or a subject. But we also have a format in our podcast that is more entertaining and a casual conversation. So like a panel of three, today we're going to talk about off-season preparation. Basically where we're at right now from June, July, August. The end of August is when seasons will open up. From bear hunting to out west to, and then of course September, your Midwest whitetail seasons, <clears throat> just a whole plethora of things, and we're going to talk basically on what you should be looking for, uh, new advancements. Maybe you should upgrade some different situations on your equipment, and then we'll just kind of go around the horn. So it's a casual, casual podcast. And we're glad that you're listening with us. So, Dan, you've been in this business twice as long as Keith and I, as far as the pro shop and the manager of this shop. If a person, let's say they haven't opened up their boat case since December, mm -hmm. <clears throat> they want to get out, they want to start flinging some arrows, give us a little bit of what you would encourage them to look at as far as making the bow absolutely the best it can be for them, rather it be upgrading a bow or upgrading strings or equipment. Give us some things to look at as as the consumer or the ag, the standard bow hunter. What what's the first step? Second, third, fourth, fifth. Yeah. So a couple of things. Um, you know, first thing, look at your strings and cables. Pull your bow out, inspect them. If it seems like they are weathered, um, bring them into the pro shop, and then we'll just we'll just look them over. Generally, you know, a good rule of thumb is you know every two to three years, <clears throat> uh, you know, replace strings and cables or just bring the bow in to get it tuned. And then we can see if it's scaling correctly. Um, you know, another thing is um, don't shoot your broadheads, you know, a day or two before season. Do that. Do that if you can in July. Because if there's any tweaks that you have to do, um, you know, we can help you fix that. Or, you know, you can you can do it yourself also. So those are the two things that I usually uh, tell people. Don't shoot, you know, your broadheads the day before. Look at your strings and cables. And then also, you know, don't buy like a handheld release two days before a season either right get accustomed this is this is the time rather you're practicing once a week or six days a week and it could be 20 <coughs> arrows or it could be 150 exactly. arrows um you know get acclimated exactly to your equipment what uh what are the importance of we we say custom because they're aftermarket strings you can get custom colors elaborate a little bit on the importance of what that string and cable it's a system what what a new set will do for you uh biggest thing is um not stretch so if your bow is scaling at 71 pounds um it's going to stay there pretty much for a couple of years it's not going to go from 71 to 67 you know <clears throat> um and then also peep rotation too which a lot of people that me i have a little bit of what we call ocd but uh when you're 
peep turns, I hate it. Absolutely hate it. And there's some tricks. Um, we'll get into that. We'll get into that in just a bit. No, I'm, <clears> I'm right there with you, though. Keith, what is what are some things that you personally do with your system? I mean, so you, the one thing I'm going to say, okay, us three sitting here is we shoot almost every day. Um, it might only be ten arrows in the morning or after work, or or we have some range. That all three of us can shoot in our backyards, but so count take us out of the system. But what would you, what are your things that you look at? What are some equipment? When what do you do when a customer comes in? Um, just kind of asking, or if they call in, you know, mm -hmm. what kind of elaborate on what Dan talked about and then what your, your eye keys in on. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the same. Um, yeah. The peep twist is huge. You see it a lot. People, people want it fixed, but they don't even realize how it happened. Um, so that's a good way to, like Dan was saying, look over your strings and that. Um, that's a good example of to see, okay, something did stretch. Um, then you go into timing, you know, you, you shoot the bow, you, it, like Dan said, bring it in. If you bought the bow from us, bring it in. Or even if you didn't, um, have it tuned, you know, just have everything checked over. Um, cause there's a lot of times you find stuff that, you know, you wonder, Hey, my arrow's kicking. Why is it? Well, we can find it pretty quick, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, peep twist, um, timing of the bow is huge. And that's probably one of the first thing that goes out when it comes to string stretch and that's easily fixed, you know, if they're fairly fresh. So, and we say string stretch, okay? So it's a system. There's not just a string. 99.9% uh, .9 of the bows have a cable system as well. Correct. Um, <clears throat> and when a string and a cable stretch, usually what's going to happen is they stretch towards the top cam. And when he's saying, when Keith's saying timing, you want your cams to come across and hit either a cable stop or a limb stop you want that synchronized. You want them to hit exactly the same time. And that's what the proficiency of your bow um, is going to collaborate. It's going to go through the whole system. It's going to work that way. So strings and cables. And a lot of times guys will come in and they'll say, guys and gals, well, you know, what are the, the cables look good? How about just a new string? Right. I would strongly encourage if, if it is a dire need situation and you don't want to purchase a whole set, that's okay. Yeah, or especially if you got a cut on the string. But I say get the whole kit and caboodle because then they react the same. It's the same material. It's not a different string and a different set of cables or cables that are three years old and a string that's brand new. Just get the whole setup. No different than tires in your car. You know what I mean? Right. If, if all right. your tires Good. are bald, well, don't just replace the back two or the front. You know, just do it all at once. Right. And that's like I said, if, if financially it's just not there, no big deal. You know, right. We're going to help you regardless. Yep. Uh, and on that point too, you know, the older style with the yokes, you know, with the split yoke system, I mean, that's the first thing to wear, you know, they stretch faster than anything because they're under right. more pressure, you know, so everybody, right. you know, it, automatically you think the string and that gets more physical exterior wear because yeah. it gets touched more. But I feel like the, the cables actually show wear faster as far as the tune of the bow goes. And I'm a, I'm <clears throat> a little bit different on. The, okay, the first thing, yes, strings, and then tune. But bring your bow in, even if you don't need strings and cables, just to make sure. It takes literally five minutes. Another five minutes to have you shoot it through paper, or we can take it and, you know, leave it overnight. We'll take care of it. But I also look at little things like a D-loop. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a cheaper release or something happened to your release where it has a little burr on it, you can be eating away that D-loop. <clears throat> if that D-loop goes, no good. And that's 10 bucks, 10 minutes, done. Brand new D-loop. 
peep twist we can take care of we have a little black magic that we can if you're not getting new strings and cables new strings and cables take care of the peep twist a lot of little things like that but i'm also i i like new stuff i like <laughs> you know there's so many advancements in arrows and not that you need new arrows like you don't need a new brand or a new micro diameter vap ss or a brand new you know gamer whatever it may be but if you're shooting the same carbon arrows that you started with 10 years ago and you're shooting them into a bale and you're accurate and you're hitting the end of that shaft or you have a hairline crack and you're not checking things you shoot the fletchings off and then you gob a bunch of glue on there and get it kind of fixed bring them on in we can check them all out that that i believe is the cheapest tool of the entire setup is your arrows right you got to i mean your arrows are only as good as your arrows can be if that makes sense. And arrows are really important too. You know, if somebody's looking at getting new accessories, I always tell people get new arrows or a good follow arrow rest. Um, you know, even if it means going cheaper on the site or quiver um, or even the bow, you know, buy, buy a good rest and buy good arrows. Those are the two main things that actually play a big part in accuracy. And there's so many advancements in arrows that your standard shooter um, fletching configuration, making sure they're the Absolutely. right spine. Uh, you know, is a huge, huge deal. And if there's one thing that's misinterpreted in archery is they, if somebody comes in and, and we're not picking on anybody because like if we were to talk about boats, I wouldn't have a damn clue about any of it. But they come in and say, I have a 300 grain arrow. Right. Well, if you have a 300 grain arrow, you might want to think about other things. Like you're probably shooting 50 pounds, I hope. <laughs> a 300 you mean the spine the number that's on the arrow is the actual spine that does not correlate to weight at all right which a lot of people think it does so there's in some manufacturers it's it's complete bass backwards but most arrows you're going to have like a 250 spine is very very stiff mm -hmm. and then you go up to a 300 and then a 350 400 you're going to be in that just to give you a number like a 27 inch draw 60 pounds maybe a little less than that yeah, it sounds about right Expe and then and of course if you want to go weight forward technology the more weight you put on the front end of the arrow you're breaking the spine down so you want a stiffer spine but that's what we do here that's our life like literally we can explain it just like we did and we can steer you in the right direction right yeah and a lot of people too um it, so not all manufacturers use the same spines either so like a 250 is super stiff in like a victory um, while a carbon express it's actually it's actually weaker so don't base it off of you know one spine chart if you're looking at easton you know their yes. spine chart it's going to yes. vary totally different maybe not so much to like victory but like carbon express like i said before even gold tip it it's a big difference so um you know feel free to ask one of us we'd be happy to help you out regardless it doesn't matter matter if it's an easton or gold tip we're actually all pretty um, knowledgeable with, with yeah, different and that's the great thing is we have a plethora of choices yep. um, you can do your research at home you can get on the bandwagon of a celebrity archer <laughs> and shoot what they want to have we have it or if we don't have it on the shelf we have it in the back or we can get it yep very very easy <clears throat> and i think we cover all but maybe two or three different arrow companies but we still go outside the lines and get those as well mm -hmm. um, we can hook you up and that's a pro shop the great thing about it advancements in technology as well we talked about arrows strings cables rests you know a little bit uh, i i strongly encourage a drop away rest there's no fletching contact 
again, there's a wide assortment of, of rests that can do that. But let's, um, a lot of guys that we see, guys and gals, I, I'm just categorizing everybody, archers, <laughs> are switching to handheld. You mentioned this kind of in the opening. Mm-hmm. Don't grab a handheld two days before season. Right. Rock your, your wrist release the rest of the season. And then get a handheld um, in the off season. Have it be winter, spring, or even early summer. But don't do it. Don't do it a week before because that, that'll change your anchor point, your draw length, yep. everything. It, 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 and it does. Your anchor point is completely different. Uh, your peep might be completely different because of your anchor. And also, it changes your point of impact. Yeah, it's and it's a whole new animal. It's something else mm-hmm. to learn. Uh, like, Dan, like that was a very good point. And you see it with bows, too. I actually just had a customer come in the other day, and I said, well, why do, why do the new bows come out in December? And, yep. I, and I said, well, it's kind of so you don't come grab one and go hunt with it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Very good, very good point. So if, you know, and that's not not pimping out the shop at all, but you can come in here and there's, what, 25 different releases over there from hinge to thumb button, and then we have some really, really cool index finger releases. Mm-hmm. And we'll let you try them all. Yeah, yeah. you can. That's, that's the great thing. And you don't have to spend $298 on a release if you don't want to. Anywhere from $39.99 on up. <clears throat> But practice with it. Yep. yep. Practice with it. So equipment, you can go, you can go, the sky's the limit on equipment. And of course, you know, a new bow is a new bow and you don't have to get brand new strings and cables if you don't want to. And you can accessorize and that's what we do here. But let's go a little bit further into this. <clears throat> so your bow's ready to rock. You get it from us. The peep is set. The D loop's perfect. The arrows are, are cut and tuned. Your bow is shooting bullet holes through paper. Okay, there's no tear, and you can do some research on that. We actually have some pretty cool videos on YouTube. Dan, you did one about tuning that. Everything's ready to go. Practice. Keith, let's start with you. Mm-hmm. Go around the horn. Give me your practice. First of all, give me your equipment. What are you shooting this year Okay, from top to bottom, and mm-hmm. then go into your practice routine? Okay. Uh, right now I'm shooting a Revolt X, left hand, of course. Sorry, Dan. Oh. <laughs> Uh, for the summer, I'm shooting um, I'm the standard VAPs, VAP Elites, um, and I'm going to go to the VAP SS for, for hunting setup. Um, black Gold Sight, single pin. I've, I went to that a few years ago. Um, I like a clear sight housing. I wonder someday if it's going to burn me trying to move my pin in the woods, but it hasn't yet, so we're going to roll with it. Um, uh, ripcord uh, lock um, for rest and uh, 365 micro DVS. And I'm running the front and the back bar. Um, and it's working really well. Um, that's the bow I'm shooting the most right now. I do have another one that I'm going to play with when it comes in. Um, but as of right now, it's the first choice for the year. Um, and my daily routine, I mean, I go every day I shoot, whether it's, like you said, one arrow some days. You know, if I'm just pushed for time, I just, I'll go out, you know, 60 to 80 yards and just grab one arrow and go out and just make sure that I can do it without thinking about it. Um, and the reason I say 60 to 80 yards is because that's, that's what I try and shoot on a day-to-day basis so that when it comes time in the fall, that those 30, 40-yard shots are just something you don't even need to think about. Um, and in some days, you know, if I go out and if I grab a half dozen arrows and that's my plan for the morning and, you know, a couple of them are off and I'll go back in and I'll grab another half dozen arrows and I'll shoot until I feel good about what I'm doing before I put it away. And that's just a mental thing for me. So 
What are you What are you practicing on? What are you shooting? Are you shooting paper target? Are you shooting a one spot? Are you shooting a, a buck? Yep. Uh, so a little bit of everything. Um, I try and keep it mixed up. I, I have animals at different yardages um, behind the house, and I do. I will switch back and forth between deer or you know 3D targets and uh, one of our uh, 365 spot targets. And the reason for that is sometimes it's it gets, you know, in my head, you know, I shoot a lot of 3Ds in the summer. Um, so I get used to doing that, but I want to make sure that I can also get on a spot and hold on it and think about that terrible word that some people deal with <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and hope that that, you know, going back and forth and just switching it up and I'll switch, you know, I'll switch angles. I'll, I'll shoot off my deck <clears throat> quite often. Um, I keep targets at 50 plus, excuse me. Um, and I'll always shoot, you know, I'll shoot from the ground. I'll shoot at angles. I'll have animals at different, tar- you know, at different, uh, you know, quartering to quartering away and just try and try and mix it up and try and be ready for anything. Cause it's sweet. You know, it's really easy to stand and shoot a spot all yeah. the time yeah. and just know that. And then you get in the woods and go, Oh, uh, where am I supposed to aim? <laughs> yeah. You know, perfect. Daniel. Um, so me, I'm shooting a, uh, standard revolt from Botech. Uh, ripcord lock, uh, Garmin sight, um, 10 inch DVS micro on the stabilizer. I'm actually not running a back bar this year. Um, and then, uh, two piece quiver. So that's what I'm rocking. So your, your quiver two piece, you're leaving that on. Yep. All the time. I've shot two piece for years. I don't personally run detachable quivers. I, I like my arrows right there and, um, I've been burned almost with, uh, taking my quiver off. So I just keep it on all the time now. Yep. So. Yep. Um, um, what you get? We didn't talk about releases. Yeah. So I'm actually going to shoot a. Uh, I'm shooting a B3 hinge right now. And that's actually what I'll be hunting with too. Love it. What was your? What's your release of choice? Uh, this is <laughs> and so there's smiles. You guys can't see this right now. Keith <laughs> is grinning from ear to ear. So I've got uh, three. I'm working through. Um, I'm shooting a. Uh, for the most of the summer, I've been uh, shooting a uh, True Ball Hybrid HT. Um, I, which is a hinge, which is a hinge. Yep. 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 And then, uh, so I've got a hinge, I've got a thumb button, I've got a stand, um, that I'm shooting, a, uh, you know, as a thumb button. And then recently I just grabbed my old wrist strap and threw that back on and it's been really working well. Um, and I, they've all been shooting well. I'm again, that's another thing. Switch it up and see what you like the best. And, and if there's only, if there's one thing in archery that I say, I encourage you to switch up. Mm-hmm. off and on um is your release mechanism right if you yeah. have the ability to uh some guys we have great customers that will shoot a wrist rock we call them wrist rock it's mm-hmm. it's an index style you pull it just like a gun trigger it's most common trigger yeah. ever made yeah, yeah. they can made. pick it up yeah. and they can shoot a 58x game for winter league and they can go out and shoot a 3d tournament and it never phases them mm-hmm. they practice once a week and it's it's awesome and it's good then you have some guys that uh notoriously drive by mm-hmm. when the pin is they can't hold the pin on a target and they punch it from left field and we're here to work through that but you know try some different releases that may and there's an awesome youtube video out as well not plugging that as much as we should but <clears throat> try some different things try different ways to execute your release you know you can relax with weight on the trigger you can squeeze the trigger um, you can shoot a hinge like Dan is, is he's been shooting a hinge for a, a while. 
Actually, every time that we shoot off here in the shop, you're shooting a hinge. Mm -hmm. um, but hunting, will you have a hinge? Yeah. Are you, are you going to hunt with a hinge? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. And it's just a different styles. It, uh, and I, for me, it, like I, if I shoot an index release, um, I, I do struggle with some target panic. Oh, he um, said it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, That's thumb. a swear word in archery. <laughs> for those of you listening, target panic is well. Yeah. Uh, thumb button, it kind of goes off and on. Hinge, I just, I don't, you, yeah. you can't. You, you can't punch it. I mean, you can, but it's it's tough too. I'm going to uh, I'm going to be a name dropper real quick um, because there's a lot of guys out there with release videos. Levi Morgan, I think, said it the best ever. If you're standing on the edge of a cliff, okay, and you need to get to the bottom in index style or a thumb release, if you're punching, you're going to go from the top of that cliff to the bottom like that. And there can be a lot of things in the in the the drop there that you can too much face pressure or you can bobble or your your arrow can go anywhere. A hinge, I have dumped a hinge before. Yep. But it's a gradual it, slope. It's very to the hard bottom. to anticipate the shot on a exactly. hinge. Exactly. It is very hard. That's even, what I like about it. And even if design. you're going to dump yep, it. Exactly. Yeah. Even if you're going to dump it, like if you you're going to You still put, have to think about it. Yeah, which is what you know, I like about it. It it goes off and you're like, "Oh, okay. You yep. know, I only missed by an inch rather right. than 15 inches." Right. Um we could do a whole podcast on hinges, but I, I love that you you brought that up. I'm shooting. Oh, oh about your practice. How do you practice, Dan? Uh, so I shoot off my deck, um, and then I have a target at, uh, it's a Reinhardt deer target at 40. Um, I have a 365, 36-inch target at 60, and at 100 yards, I have another 36-inch target. Um, closer to hunting season, I'll shoot the deer target more, move that around. Mm -hmm. um, it's just more realistic to me. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, broadheads, I don't know exactly what I'm gonna shoot yet this year. Uh, it's gonna vary from uh, G5, uh, the new Montec, um, Slick Tricks, uh, or Grim Reaper, uh, three blade, micro you, Hades. You kind of go back and forth on fixed blade and mechanicals. I haven't shot a mechanical deer hunting since 2014. So I take that back, erase what I said. And I, you're, you're a fixed blade. I am, and I, I unfortunately stray to the shoulder with deer. I don't know yep. why I do it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's why. Is I, I what what are you shooting, Keith? Uh, fixed blade, um, undecided. I M three the new Montec is kind of in, you know, right in the middle of my wheelhouse mm -hmm. right now. I like them being quiet, um, and I like them being tough. So. You um, old school. I know old it's terrible, school. right? Both you can tell you. I'm old. Yeah, come I'm getting on. Old. I'm getting old. Thirty now. <laughs> How about what are you? What are you shooting this year? Do you know? Ah, uh, I don't. I have a Matthews VXR thirty-one and a half that is rocking right now. Um, that has a black gold three-pin. It's a driver sight, so I shoot twenty, thirty, and forty, and then from forty-one yards all the way to hundred is my bottom pin. It's a ten thousandths pin, so it's smaller, and I I can go out to hundred on that slider. Or driver, I guess you could say. Um, I, I, so with target season being somewhat canceled this year as far as 3D, we didn't get a chance to go to Reading. Indoor Nationals was closed. And the ASAs, they're just going to start opening up, actually. They just had an IBO tournament. But as far as target archery, 100% 100, 100 of the time I shoot a hinge all the time. I have target panic worse than probably anybody in the shop, and I openly admit it. Um, I can be very accurate with the thumb button. Ten shots. Eleven through twenty. Uh, who knows where they're gonna go. But I I got two buttons, thumb buttons, 
um, a true ball in a stand. I fell in love with them. I could pinwheel, you know, a dot out to 60, 70 yards. Got very comfortable with them until the other day. And I was doing some arrow tuning and some in-depth tuning, and before I knew it, I didn't even realize that I was sending it. They were hitting the middle, but I was like, uh-uh, nope. It's mm-hmm. like a crazy girlfriend. Like, yeah. sometimes it works, and sometimes, <laughs> like, it just doesn't. <laughs> and when it doesn't. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah, when it's good, yeah. it's good. When it's bad, it's <laughs> yeah, still you're, you're, Your car gets cute, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I went back to a hinge. Uh, I shot last night to 70 meters with the VXR and uh, just completely back to where, yeah, absolutely that. best grouping that I've had all summer. I do have a Revolt X that I fell in love with. It is one of the steadiest bows in my hand um dan turned me on to these here i was shooting actually uh, reckoning 38 for target season and he, and dan handed me his bow i wrecked all of his arrows he got mad at me and then i had to order my own bow i couldn't shoot his anymore but uh that bow is just scary as far as tuning like it is so easy to tune that bow tune the arrow I mean, I've bear shafted out, and you were you were we were talking this the other day. I've never bear shafted anything past twenty. I could walk back to fifty yards, and people are going to probably send some emails on this, but <laughs> I can send a bear shaft. That's no fletchings. Yep. It's weighted at the end the same, and I, you know I can put it in a paper yeah, plate. I know three or four customers that have revolts or revolt axes that are bear shaft tuning them beyond 40 yards 40 to 50 yards it, it's, it's amazing the, it's yeah. the tail wagging the dog yeah. you don't need a press you do it on the range it's, you so, yeah, do it. it's, it's so easy yeah. so just an explanation on kind of what we're talking about with the revolt cam that now that's going to be on the new Bowtech is you can actually basically shim your cam right and left top and bottom um, just by sticking an allen wrench on the side of the limb and and turning it and what that does is that'll actually fix a tear through paper or yep. even it'll fix a broadhead. If yep. you watch a YouTube video, I actually yep. I, I fixed a broadhead um, that was shooting four inches to the right. And you you basically move the cam slightly to the left and it fixes it. Yep. It's amazing. It's uh, and, and something that you can do with a Matthews, but you do need a press and you need mm-hmm. basically they're called top hats. It's it's a spacer system. It is possible with a Matthews, you can do it with a Hoyt if you move spacers around. Same with PSE, yep. but the Bowtech is flawless. It's easy. You can do it in seconds. And there's it's, no loose parts. It's, exactly. It's a deadlock it's solid. design. Mm-hmm. Um, I think an Elite has a yeah. pretty good design as well. They're actually shimming the pocket, the limb, the limb pocket. pocket. Yep. Yeah. A little bit different. Um, but it does work, too. But, it, yeah, we've we've tuned up a couple of them, and it, once you get doing it a couple times, it's pretty easy. So, th- yeah, the days you set your rest center shot rather be 13 16 or three quarters right in that wherever shelf it is whatever mm-hmm. bow it is and you don't mess with the rest you can micro adjust your rest a little bit for broadhead tuning but the days of that are kind of just going away and um, more people are shooting fixed heads now because yeah. the the technology is there where you can actually sight them in which is which is awesome you know it's it gives guys more of a chance to play around with different stuff and you know possibly more efficient broadheads you know, if it's fixed, you can still get them to fly correctly, even out to 50, 60, 70 yards. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I was shooting last year. My, I was had a trip out west that I was getting ready for, and I wanted to shoot some distance. And I had fixed blade broadheads at 100 that were, I mean, I was shooting six-inch groups at 100 yards with my field points mixed in, you know. And it was it was just a good feeling knowing that you can do that, you know. Yeah. It, and let's, so let's talk, uh, okay, the targets I shoot, um, 
I fell in love with the 365 trio targets. The new inserts have eight different faces, six different faces. Six. Six. So you can have what I call a plum crosshair. Mm -hmm. You can have a crosshair that goes up and down with an inch dot in the middle. Um, you have one face that's going to have a bunch of little inch dots. Then you can go up to a two-inch dot, a three-inch dot, a four-inch dot, five. I don't know how if I've run out of that. But the, the, the block that goes inside of the 365 Trio target, you can replace. You don't have to, but you can. The new ones have all of that. And what I'm getting at is when I practice, okay, if you haven't figured this out by now, I'm a target archer. I shoot dots all year long except for August. August is when I'll throw, and I'll go to 3D tournaments, but I'm still, when I look at, when I look at a 3D animal, I find a, an arrow hole or an arrow knock. That's my dot. Yeah, absolutely. And here is my mentality. You guys, and I want you to argue, I want you to disagree with me a little bit because we're going to get in some sticky situations because both of you said you, you have a hundred yard bail out there. But I shoot a dot because then I know I either hit the dot or I didn't hit the dot, no matter the size. If I shoot at a standard 3D target with no definition and I hit, oh, I hit the lungs. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, you know, I hit in the area or group tuning. That's perfect because it gets your mindset for what you're going to harvest or what you're going to shoot at. I don't do it until the, the right before, month before. I shoot a dot because I instantaneously know Bring up my binoculars. Yes, I hit it, or no, I didn't. I need to either check something on my site or my form's off, or, you know, once you're both sighted in, you, it's you. It's me. Right. So that's what I shoot a dot. On the opposite side of that, and I love 3D targets, you guys both shoot, you have a 100-yard bail. I like sending bombs all the time. I'm going to be the black rose in the bed of red roses right now. People always say, well, I practice twice what I'm going to shoot. So their effective yardage in the tree stand or whatever may be, be 50 yards. So they're practice at 100 yards. My effective range, and I, you can call me cocky or not, I, I will shoot at an animal if he is completely standing or she, not having a clue that I'm there, nothing's wrong. I don't have a problem at 80 yards. So you're telling me that I have to practice at 160 yards so that 80 comes out easy? Compare that and give me your philosophy. Why Why do you guys practice your mindset? Sure. Why do you practice out to 100 or further? You probably you probably both shoot further. Why, why the long-range practice? So the biggest thing for me is not a cut-and-dry math equation, you know, like a lot of people are. For me, I know the farther out I am, the, the better my release has to break, the, the better my follow-through has to be. I mean, everything has to be right. and So your flaws are intensified is what you're saying. Yeah, yep, exactly. And so for me, the more that I can, the, the more that I shoot out farther where it's harder to do it right, yeah. every, like you say, everything's intensified and you, and you fix problems whether, you, you know, just in, just in your practice, you know, whether you're trying or not. And you realize like that then, yeah, the release, the, the, surprise release you know um just arrows going where they need to go you know mm -hmm. it's it's just huge and i don't yeah i'm the same way so i say um that 60 you know like on a white tail like i'd i'd absolutely shoot a white tail at 60 yards not you know mm -hmm. given the conditions are right um if i had one at 80 could i kill it? absolutely 
you know, and would I, given the situation, I might, um, I haven't been there, so I don't know. I'd have to yeah. make my mind up then, but, um, yeah, I absolutely, you know, it's, it's more just fixing my problems. So out of, let's say you have a 50 arrow practice, mm-hmm. <clears throat> how many arrows are you shooting past 50 yards? So this time of year, now that I have a setup that's working for me, yeah. I, I shoot, everything I shoot is 60 on at, at home. Okay. Um, there will be days where I'll just walk up and I'll, <clears throat> excuse me, um, there will be days that I'll just go and I'll grab a quiver full of arrows and I'll go 20 yards just yeah. to double check everything. Right. Yep. And I'll go one arrow at 20, walk back, shoot one at 30, shoot one at 40, shoot one at 50 and go gotcha. all the way out, you know? Um, but on a day to day basis, most of my shooting is 60 yards. Um, and I think it's probably because if I walk out my back door, that's 60 yards and I'm lazy, <laughs> Easy. <laughs> but yeah, for, for the most part, it's 60 on. Um, but like I said, I come in here and I'll shoot, you know, obviously 20, but yeah. Dan, I agree with him. Whatever he said, you know, that's pretty much exactly how I do it. Um, as for effective range on a deer, 50 yards max. Um, would I shoot at a deer that if I hit him in the liver or guts and he's hunched up at 80, 90, yeah, sure. But so I'm like not, a second shot. Yeah, a but otherwise shot. Yeah. I, I wouldn't shoot beyond 50 myself. And by all I, means, I, I just, we're not downplaying anybody. We're not being controversial. We don't want to get down that path. This is what we call a round the horn conversation podcast. Right. Different guys, different elements. Right. You say 50. And mainly just because a lot can go wrong, you know, after 50 yards, even 50 yards is a far shot, especially for a Midwest tree stand hunter. There's a lot that can go wrong. Have it be when uh, the deer could hear your bow go off or jump the string or there's just a lot that that can go on. If he if he moves forward or back three inches, you know, that's significant. Um, And I've I've unfortunately tracked a lot of deer. So I've been there and I just I don't. I'm not the guy that I was 10 years ago either. You know, I, and you're, you're comfortable practicing further. Yeah. But you're effective in your mind, air quotes, your effective archery range is 50 and less for Midwest. Yeah. I mean, I, I could easily shoot a deer at 80, 90 yards if I wanted to. I just, I choose not to. And and with that too, you have to have the right arrow set up, right? Yeah. You know, you gotta, you have to be confident in your equipment that, that you're not going to lose considerable amounts of energy downrange too. Yeah. And I, so I'm going to backtrack a little bit because Dan being the leader he is, he brings up a very, very valid point. A lot of things can change from the release of that arrow at 80 yards compared to 30 yards. Yep. Um, you're losing a little bit of speed. You have the flutter effect of your veins. You have an arrow that's making sound. I would say I, I don't think deer jump the string, especially with the bows nowadays. I think they jump the sound of the arrow coming at them. Mm -hmm. You know, there's been some tests. Uh, A dude actually wrote a book, and he was shooting Impala, I think. And he would just shoot. He wouldn't shoot at the animal. He would just shoot in the direction of the animal and then video record the reaction time of the animal. And then he would shoot, you know, away from the animal as far as just now is it the bow. And there would be no reaction. So none of it, not a lot of us are shooting Impalas, but it's, that's my mentality is I think they're jumping the arrow. Um, There's a lot of advancements in fletchings 
Some are definitely quieter than others. Sure. Uh, yeah. You can tell that here in the range. And broadheads. And and broadheads. So that's that's my practice regimen as I, you know, I shoot a dot. I do shoot longer yardage. One, because I get a kick out of it. Mm-hmm. Archery to me is a blast. Uh, you know, we all fish. We all do some other stuff. Archery to me, that's my release. That's my, you know, I can go out. And if the kids come with and the wife shoots, we're practicing. It, I don't even think of it as practice. I think of it as an enjoyable hobby. Mm-hmm. But when it's one-on-one, Wade Grinegar time, I'm. <clears throat> it's all about hitting the dot doesn't matter if it's at 15 steps or if it's at 95 yards and and i strive to make that and by all means you don't have to go practice far if you if guys a lot of the ranges around here are capped at 60 yards you know just pr- what we're saying is you have to practice and then let's let's that leads us right into our next little detail here why is it so important to practice for hunting Dan, you start out with that. I know I'm kind of putting you on your spot, but I want your personal intake on this, not just you, but for our consumers. Yeah, so uh, for me, a lot of guys or a lot of customers do not, don't even actually shoot their bows during season, which really doesn't make sense. You and mean during the hunting season? Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. They, they practice all year long, and then once September 15th hits or whatever your opener is, they don't even shoot that bow unless it's at a coyote or actually at a deer um which is my opinion a big no-no also if you you sure you almost should shoot you know maybe not as much as you did in august or september or july you know if you can that's great but if you can even get it to five arrows a day you know Mm -hmm. i mean just just keep shooting that's the biggest thing um because a lot can change have it be um you know weather what you're wearing Mm -hmm. you know you want to practice you want to if you're wearing a face mask in the blind, you should be wearing a face mask in, in August and because that's going to change your anchor point a lot. Yep. Um, even with, you know, big bulky clothing, um, you know, your string could hit your arm if you're hunting late November. So practice, practice. I'm not saying wear your Sitka Fanatic suit in August, but right. <laughs> you, you might want to just check that stuff out because yep. that can uh. play a huge part, especially if you're shooting beyond 30 yards. Yeah, I mean, any little flaw is going to throw that arrow off a little bit. Keith, what is the importance of practicing off season and during season? So one one big thing that changes, you know, and one reason to just have it be muscle memory and something you don't need to think about is because when you're in the woods and that buck walks out or doe even and the adrenaline's pumping, everything or a lot of stuff can go away. You kind of forget. You don't think. You kind of go in a zone and and hopefully everything is just you have it to the point where you don't have to think about it. You know, you do what you're supposed to do and it happens. And then you, when it's all over, you go, Oh, what happened? It worked like it was supposed to, you know? Um, I actually, I, some of my buddies laugh at me cause I'm kind of dumb, but we, I will shoot at home to, to work on the adrenaline stuff. Uh, I'll actually like, I'll shoot 60 yards or whatever it is. And I'll grab my arrows and I'll run. I know it sounds dumb, but I'll run back to my bow and be winded and then shoot another group of arrows mm-hmm. or at least take one and try and squeeze one good arrow off while I'm struggling. And it's not dumb. Um, guys that live, we say west of the river. It's mm-hmm. not west of the Mississippi. It's west of the Missouri River, western hunters. They've been doing that for years. Mm-hmm. They'll climb up a, a you know a mountainside and throw a, a target down at the bottom wherever it lands, range it, and shoot it. Yep. Um, and like you say here, flatlanders, running back to your target and you're out of breath yep 
your mind's thinking about other things, grab your bow and shoot it. Yeah. So the thing about archery, and and I'll argue this until I go down, muscle memory is huge, but also archery is such a mental game. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if you're shooting a 180 inch whitetail or an 85 inch antelope <clears throat> or a 350 inch elk or a piece of paper or paper plate. Mm-hmm. Um, remind me of paper plate here in about five minutes, okay? All right. So if you if you come in and you spend two grand on a setup and you think that that bow is going to be effective by not and not shooting, you just pick it up, you go up in the tree stand. Here comes out your target deer, whatever it may be. <clears throat> you pick it up and you shoot it. All you're doing is putting a Band-Aid on something that could go wrong. But if you shoot that bow, he could be in your basement at 11 yards. Put up a, a playing card, you know, like a 10 of spades and hit the little spade. Mm-hmm. It's, it's training your mind and your muscle memory. Okay, this is going to be the exact same thing every time. Rather be 60 arrows or six arrows. Or it's just 100% second nature. Exactly. Even like your grip. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people like mess around with their grip, you know, from five arrows they go shoot on their range and then they come back and then they they change their grip up again. You know, one time they're death gripping it. The next minute they have an open hand. It's just you want it to be yeah. second nature where that grip is consistent and repeatable every single time. Yep. Repeatable is a very good word. And yeah. that's, that's what practice will show you is it, it will illuminate your flaws. Exactly. It will mm-hmm. intensify your flaws to where you have time to fix it. And I couldn't agree. So glad you brought that up. Practice doesn't stop when the season opens. Yep. It should never stop. It is tough when it's, 10 below zero, you know, in the end of November. But <clears throat> I shoot four or five arrows before I go out. Mm-hmm. Might be in the basement or, you know, I might have a target in the back of my truck and I throw it out and I'll shoot three or four practice arrows and make sure everything is good. One, because confidence is an important tool in hunting. And if you know two hours ago you just shot five arrows and you hit four of them in the dead X at 40 yards, <laughs> Whatever walks out is in trouble. Exactly. And that's all part of even shooting at home and doing the stuff you do. It's like just knowing that you're going in the woods and your equipment is as good as it can be is huge because it's one thing you don't have to think about. Mm -hmm. So before we get to a paper plate, in August, when I set out my 3D targets, no matter what the target is, if you were to video me and you were to go and look, I put a black Sharpie mark which would be the heart on most animals. It is low. If you take the body and cut it in half, I'm on the bottom half. If you cut it in thirds, I'm in the bottom third. Here's why. Because the reaction of an animal, even if they don't react, if they're standing flat-footed and the arrow completely passes through them, guess where I hit? Mm -hmm. Right in the 12 ring. The deer is not going very far. If something happens and then Dumb little red squirrels are clucking at me because it's seen me draw, and the deer's looking at me, and I shoot, and that deer drops. Guess what? I hit him in the lungs. The deer's going 40 yards and done. Know your animal and practice for it. Yep. You know, uh, antelope, we call Dan kind of the antelope slayer here. And gun or or bow or wherever you're shooting or harvesting, antelope are a little bit different creature. Whitetails are a little bit different creature. Elk are a little bit different creature. Um, bear, of course, you know, you're going to have probably some pretty close, unless you're doing spot and stock, but 
animals react different and you have to know where you're aiming and you have to trust your shot and it has to hit there not putting on a band-aid not shooting a two and a half inch not two inch here in minnesota not shooting a big mechanical broadhead that's going to put a band-aid on things know and practice so that you shoot you make very very what's the word um ethical 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 shot Mm -hmm. you know Um, another thing too that we were just talking about is 3d targets don't be afraid to angle your targets like um you know if you're going to do broadside that's great but you know you can do quartering away quartering too and a good way to think about that is where do you want your broadhead to end up on the backside of that animal absolutely that's that's where you should be aiming so you know if it's a quartering away shot Imagine where you want your broadhead to end up. Have it be in the opposite shoulder yep. or through an exit. Because really when you think about it, then you're, that arrow is going to be further back, maybe even towards its liver or even sometimes if it's courting hard enough, almost in the gut region. Yep. But aim where you want that arrow to pass through on that deer mm-hmm. or where you want that arrow to stick. Have mm-hmm. it be in that opposite shoulder. Um, don't be afraid to, like I said, move those 3D targets around. Do quartering yep. away shots. Don't always do broadhead shots or yep. broadside, broadside shots. Yeah. Yeah. Because no, that's, honestly, that's huge. <clears throat> in your history of hunting, how many perfectly 25-yard broadside shots have you had? Right. Maybe on one hand, five. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, maybe. I'd say a majority of them. But, yeah, I mean, most of them are going to be quartering away or even sometimes quartering two. Yep. No, that's and, a very good point, Dan, because I do that. I shoot... Like I said, you know, I'll I'll walk around my yard, whatever it is, and get angles on animals. Yep. And and it that year, I think you and I were just talking last week about that buck I shot in Illinois that yeah. year. Yeah. And that deer was he was quartered to me, and I, you know, didn't even think about where to hold yep. because I had made those shots. You know, where if if all you do is shoot sideways, you know, shoot broadside, you're gonna aim for the vitals on the target, and you know, and that's why I switched. And up. when you're setting out your 3D target, or if you're at a course where the, they're already set, walk up to it. Yeah. And put your right. arrow, lay your arrow on the back. Yep. Like, and look at, just look at the angles and where that arrow is going to be a standard 28 inch shaft. You know, um, we were ta- our good friend Buck up in St. Cloud was talking about a deer that he shot that was completely quartering away. <clears throat> and he aimed kind of in that, I call it the flank, soft mm-hmm. area. Yep. Well, no one, no one's setting out their target and shooting them in the flank. Right. But set your arrow there and look where it ended up Let's and it come it out goes. in the brisket. Yeah. Yep. And the deer, I mean, literally dropped down on the ground mm-hmm. yep. just because it was it took out everything yep and, so, and i've and i've shot <clears throat> i've shot a buck at basically directly straight down on me 20 feet up in a deer stand and a lot of people are like well where do you aim what pin do you use well try it you know i mean that's something where the guy at the pro shop's not going to tell you okay you need to right. use your 50 yard pin at, at this distance yep. distance you gotta you gotta practice no different than if you're hunting whitetails in nebraska and you're sitting on the ground yeah um you basically sit on a log and then shoot at your 3D target. Don't mm-hmm. stand mm-hmm. every single time because more than likely you're not always going to be standing, especially on the ground. You're going to be kneeling. Um, you're going to be sitting. Just try a bunch of different positions on actually how you're going to be hunting. Have it be from a deer stand or whatever. Yeah, and if you were to come to my backyard um, and you've seen the one tree that I have that I hang a tree stand in just to practice, I'm the only guy in the whole entire area that has a tree that's limbed out in the backyard yep. because I hang a tree stand and it's, and you know, I hang it, I think it's like 16 feet. I think I measured one time <clears throat> I get up in the stand. I have a quiver full of arrows. I shoot with a detachable quiver. And then, so I mm-hmm. hang my quiver 
you know, where, where it's going to be. And I shoot. And especially that uh, there could be a deer right underneath mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. What are you going to use? You know, right. and believe you me, if you want to test this on us, shoot your target at three yards with your 20 yard pin and tell me where your arrow hits. <laughs> right. Right. So obviously 18 feet is six yards, but you're absolutely straight down. Another great point, and like I say, we're going to cut this off here in just a little bit. The advancements of sights, there's a thing called third access. You can come into the pro shop and you can say, Dan, Keith, Wade, would you do my first, second, third access? Sure, we will, off of a level, but we're not taking your bow at full draw, and it's not you in the way that you torque it. You have to do your third access on your own practicing. Right. Do you agree with me? Or at least test it, right? If yeah. We, if we, yeah, if you do it, it could be here, close. Yep. Take it home and try it. Shoot uphill, shoot downhill, and see where it's at. Yep. Because you'd be off five or six yard inches, and if you're off at five, six inches, and the deer's right underneath you, the arrow's right beside him, and he's mm-hmm. licking and laughing at you. Yeah, there, there, there's <laughs> only so much that the guys at the archery shop can do. You know, we're mm-hmm. we're going to help you as much as we can, but it also comes down to the customer spending time with their bow and getting used to it. Um, you know, I'm not picking on a group of people, but like the Camp Ripley crowd every yep. year, people come in on their way up to Camp Ripley. Yep. They want us to sight their bowing for them. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, it doesn't work that way. It, you, right. you have to get used to that equipment, have it be your release, your range finder, your broadheads, it, everything. You have to, you have to know that bow like the back of your hand. Yep. And, and so, and that, God dang it. We have so many awesome points. What I was going to say. Dan's too. like just a machine over here, just firing at us. Practice one day without your rangefinder. Right. Mm-hmm. What happens if you go out and the the thing runs out of battery, or you leave it, and right. your your pack falls or something like that? Could you judge? You know, could you judge yardage? My effective yardage, if I'm shooting at eighty yards, if I don't have a rangefinder, I'm back down under forty. Yeah. Right. And, oh, and wow. Levi yeah. Morgan actually says it the best, where he actually will like practice with his kids, or even if he's just out fishing, and he's like, I wonder how far away that stump is and he mm-hmm. i don't know if he actually steps it off or if he ranges it but he's always thinking that um because you never know if a buck's chasing a doe and yeah and he's he's dogging her and you don't have time to range it 15 times yeah you know yep, absolutely yeah and he so he's like probably the best him and dan mccarthy are probably two of the best jack wallace is in there too at judging yardage mm-hmm. they do it for the tournament side of things but it isn't actually a fun game it uh, is yeah i mean yeah, well, I we, don't shoot that class anymore, but it's fun to like go out with a group of guys and <clears throat> let's face it, we could probably whip the tail off of most people right. when it comes to shooting. But you bring us out there without a rangefinder? Good luck. Yeah. New right. game. Whole new, new game. game. So give me do, five fixed pins and, and we'll go back to hey, pin that's, that's where my garment will <laughs> yeah. shine, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> take take Dan's garment away. Um we covered so much, and I hope you guys enjoyed this as far as just a casual conversation. My last, I want each of us to give one point or one uh, pro tip for the season here's my pro tip when people come in and say well i can hit a paper plate i cringe oh buddy i just take your paper plate and throw it use it at a picnic go get a two inch dot go to the gun range and get an orange two inch dot or take a uh, a cup and cut out the bottom and stick it on there a two inch dot that's what you should be hitting mm-hmm. out to your effective range, not a paper plate. Mm-hmm. Yes, deer are forgiving, and they have a 15-inch cavity that you can get lucky. The smaller the target you practice on, 
the more accurate and more efficient you will be with your equipment. That's my pro tip. Keith? Oh, that's a really good one. Um, but I'll, I'll relate it to people that come in the shop on a day-to-day basis. One of the biggest things that I hear um, well, when it comes to broadheads, people are buying broadheads. So once you're, once you're comfortable with your equipment and everything's working well and you're comfortable shooting, um, what I hear all the time is, oh, do they make practice heads for these? So I encourage, have brand new broadheads ready to go. Have you, the same arrows you practiced with, do two sets. Yep. Have one set ready to go and one set that you're shooting. Practicing and, with. Yep, yep. exactly. Practice and, with what you're going to shoot. Yep, the exact same setup. Awesome. Dan, we kind of took <laughs> you, two really yeah, good took, ones. You took <laughs> my broadheads. Dang it. <laughs> um, oh, man. If you have an old fallaway rest, look at something new. Hold off on a new bow case or even sometimes a new bow. Um, buy a good rest. That's huge. Have it be limb-driven, cable-driven. Um, rests have gotten so much better in the last five years that you know don't be afraid to look at something new. They tune better. They're quieter. Um, they're just more bulletproof. That's what I would recommend. Broadheads first. That's actually what I was going to say, but Sorry. I had to come up. Uh, come up with something here quick so that's what i would do i man we could go on and on every time we get together we could just go on and on and on and on and on we'll be talking at the shop today for yeah (laughs) i I hope you guys thoroughly enjoyed this uh the great thing about technology and social media um we're trying to keep up the best we can on youtube videos uh we do some gear reviews that are quick two-minute deals but we are getting more advanced into like Dan did a broadhead tuning. Um, watch YouTube videos. Don't become a YouTube archer, but take a little bit in one ear, out the other. Take little bits and pieces. Yeah, from, there's it. so many awesome videos out there, and there's some awesome, there's some shitty ones too. So be careful on what you're <laughs> watching. But um, do your research, and and the more accurate you are, the more fun archery is going to be. Um. I mean, we could go on and on, but thanks again for, for listening to Archery Country Podcast. We hope you like this format. Around the Horn is what we're going to label this as. But on behalf of Dan and Keith and everybody here at Archery Country, check out our YouTube channel, subscribe, subscribe to all our platforms on the podcast. We have an entire bank that we're going to be flooding you with. Our releases are going to be every other week. So uh, thanks again, and we'll see you on down the road. Thank you for listening to Archery Country Podcast. 